Hey, Beer Nerds. Welcome to the podcast. This is the 21st episode of the Building Breweries podcast. And as always, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, liking and subscribing and rating and sharing and doing all those things that make me look good. Um, <clears throat> I just got back from a, a unique trip in Tampa from a um, beer bloggers and writers convention or rather conference down there in Tampa. And they, they hold it every year. It's, it's a pretty well-organized um, group of people. It's a, it's a pretty fun event. Um, I will have more on that later in another episode probably, but in the meantime, I wanted to talk to, to a couple different people um, in, in, the, in the following interviews. I'm speaking to a Louisville, new Louisville brewery uh, out of old Louisville brewery. Um, a couple brothers there that are doing some good work, and I, I got to visit them, and it's a really good place. It's awesome, actually. It, it, it fits the neighborhood perfectly. From, if you're familiar with the Louisville area, it's, it's great. And um, then I kind of switched it up with a little bit on the, on the second interview. Um, I know I usually interview industry folks, but um, I, I interviewed somebody who refers to herself as, as the Catholic Drinky. And uh, I don't know, I, I really like her story, and we, we have a little bit of, of that in common. And um, I thought it was pretty good to, to at least interview her and, and talk to her a little bit about how she got started. Because I think if you listen to her enough on, on her own podcast and maybe read her blog, you might like her as well. Because uh, she's very intelligent and has a high be- uh, beer IQ at least. Um, so yeah, it, it's a lot of good stuff, and, and I'm excited about the the beer bloggers conference that just happened, and uh, I'm I'm hoping to record an episode on that here pretty shortly to kind of review things on that. I am happy to be joined now live at the Old Louisville Brewery, coming soon at 625 Magnolia Avenue here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, brothers Wade and Ken Mattingly, what's up, guys? How's it going? What's going on, guys? I, I appreciate you inviting me in because you all aren't actually open yet. So I'm actually seeing the process of, you know, the, the title's namesake, a building of the brewery. It's, it's fantastic in here. I like what you've done so far. Well, we appreciate that. It's been two years in the, the making, so to have a little appreciation is much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it has kind of been of a, of a slow burn, I guess. Um, but, but first, before we get into that, how exactly did you come to this idea, and, and who contributed what to it? Well, it started with a idea for a craft beer bar in Old Louisville. Uh, I lived in Old Louisville when I, I moved up here actually from Lexington. I landed in Old Louisville because I loved the area, I loved the architecture, I loved the walkability. Uh, it was just so much different than when I came from before, and the more and more I was here, I realized every time I was wanting good beer or uh, an enjoyable atmosphere, I was going out of the community to find that. So, were you were you involved in the beverage industry at all before that, or you just wanted to open was, a, a, a brewery someday? Well, no. I mean, I, it just started with I'm I'm a person who sees voids and likes to fill them. I mean, uh, you know, I saw. Old Louisville is a place that was rich in diversity. Uh, tons of people like myself, tons of young people, tons of older people, a lot of money, not very much money. It, it was an interesting area, and I loved being in it, but there was no really good beer to be found. So I had to go out of the area to get good beer, 
and I wanted a nice local pub to go to to have good beer. So that started the idea of, you know what, I'm gonna start a little craft beer bar down here in Old Louisville. And then I ran up against the TNZD, which is the extremely interesting uh, zoning requirements that Old Louisville <laughs> put in place for good reasons right. in terms of preserving the historical atmosphere, which is, it was great, but it, it did not allow at all for uh, certain activities uh, in the craft beer bar in this potential place was one of them. Um, so at that point in time, you know, I told my brother kind of what I was looking to do with the craft beer bar. And I said, hey, this could be an opportunity where in the future, I slowly kind of phase in you doing some brewing and we start with something like that. Well, like I said, that didn't work out. So when the, the whole idea of the craft beer bar didn't work out because of zoning, I went to him and said, screw it, let's do a brewery. I mean, I was gonna do this, let's do a brewery. And what's to stop us? And I said, are you on? I said, I'll find the space. I'll build out the space. I'll put it all together. Do you want to brew? I mean, is this something you're committed to doing? So I, you know, I, I put it in his lap and, and asked him, what do you think? Yeah, and I kind of said, yes, I, I, I do have to say that uh, I don't think it was truth in advertising because I, I've done a whole lot more help with the build out and everything <laughs> that I initially uh, Anticipated. So you were sold on this. Yeah, just yeah. just come brew here. Yeah, I've just, got a I'm place come already. Every other weekend, all I have to do is he gets it ready. I brew, uh, but you know I've I've learned a lot, and I mean, and there's nothing like sweat equity in a place to to make you appreciate it. What what exactly were y'all doing before this? Uh, I'm a or I'm during a, maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, I've always, I would say, for the last 15 years, I've been involved in real estate in some way, shape, or form, be it uh, hands-on construction, uh, management, uh, and now I currently do new residential construction. I'll work for a new residential construction company. So I had the background of, of real estate and construction. And that's what I saw. When I go back to saying I saw a void in the area being no good beer, I wanna bring you, good you, beer you, into you, it. You already recognized it, yeah. I, I knew what I had in an asset who brewed, who had that background. And I had the love and passion for it. I didn't have the background to brew. I've, I've brewed you know, several times, not a ton, but several times. Uh, I don't have the expertise he has at all in doing that. What I did have the expertise in is I know how to find places. Uh, I know what makes for a, a good place and I know how to build the place. So again, that's the expertise that I brought to it is, is to find this place and build the place. And again, it, it solely came back to, I was gonna move forward somehow, some way with doing it, I just thought it would mean a hell of a lot more to me to involve my brother to do it. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a middle school science teacher, and so, I mean, I've always... Uh, oh, hold on, you're, you're a science teacher and you happen to be brewing on the side? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that all started, you know, almost 25 years ago. Uh, the, the Lexington Herald leader would have an article every other year about... Uh, guys home brewing and I just, you know, I, I was getting into craft beer and I just thought that was really kind of cool. And so I started uh, brewing on my own at, at home and, you know, with uh, starting with uh, like kits and then getting up to where I was doing whole grain and then just really starting experimenting. And, and, and the one thing I'll say about Wade is while he might not know uh, as much about the brewing process as I do, uh, he has been really great in pushing me to try new things, try to you know kind of push the envelope, develop uh, some, some some new recipes and, and things like that, because uh, you know he knows what he likes to see and, and what he likes to drink, and, and while 
you know, I'll be the first to say that somebody who can who can uh, brew up a, a really good, clean, solid amber. I mean, that takes some 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 good brewing, but you know. I'm, I'm kind of like Wade, and I, I really like people who sort of push the envelope and, and, and do something that maybe you haven't heard of before. Uh, I, I guess that's where he kind of got me started uh, on my, my path towards a, a peanut butter ale. Hmm. He was just like, uh, well, you know, I, I, why don't we try something like this? And so I did some research and, and looked up and tried to get some, you know, recipe formulations. I, I, I have a very elementary understanding of, of brewing and in general, but also sp- specifically things with peanut butter. But to my understanding, it's if you use the, the peanut butter itself, it ends up being kind of kind of greasy in a sense, maybe. And, right. But if you use the powder, like the, the PB2, PB2 or something, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't really end up with the flavor. Exactly. Uh, and, and so everything that I've brewed, every peanut butter ale I've made, we've used real peanut butter. And, 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 and what's worked for us is that uh, we add it into the mash kettle or the boil kettle probably the last 10 hey, 15 that's, minutes that's not you know give away oh, no, okay. well, secrets here. <laughs> but but we we generally leave uh because that's one of the things about that they always talk about well if you get you get oil transfer over your head is gone uh you just you don't really end up with an appealing looking beer and so so we've really done some work with trying to uh, limit the amount of oil we transfer over into the fermenter Mm-hmm. And even when you take it off the fermenter, any any oil that's in there, you kind of leave behind. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not patting ourselves on the back or anything, but we've really made some some peanut butter ales where, you know, you pour it, you've got a really good inch thick head, and it hangs around. If for, you can if you can do it, they're usually fantastic. Oh yeah, it's just the problem of actually doing. It. Well, and I'll cut in on that one. Uh, I, I wish I and we'll have to sometimes sometimes sit down and figure out the whole discussion that brought us into that. I partially remember it. You know, we, we know more stories of certain beers and the stories <laughs> behind them, but uh, this one particular one that, you know, that was the kind of thing that in, in wanting to do it. Is it, you know, realistic? Cause the PB2 additive is what a lot of people use, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it yep. works in beers and it's popular in beers. Um, but like I said, he's, he's done this one and it took a few iterations to get it down. Uh, but his most recent one that we had and fingers crossed, we're able to transfer that to the larger system. Uh, has actually been it was actually phenomenal and the cool thing is we're going to take that one step further and do a pb and jl oh my god and the funny thing is especially if you're not a, a big time beer lover and i tell people that you see their face kind of scrunch up like what the hell are you talking about that makes whereas no the, it's the opposite of mine where i'm just like that sounds delicious well <laughs> and it's it's as he'll say it's it's tricky and we've we've nailed it sometimes and sometimes we haven't so it's a gamble. It's a gamble to do this, and a lot of people aren't going to brew that type of beer. And that's why they're going to do the PB2 because you got to make money in this business, sure. obviously. But at the same time, to do something like that and pull it off is it's it's cool, man. It's 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 a cool thing to do. Awesome. Now, okay, so so we're we're in this building right now. It's it's a, it's a great looking building. Once you found it. Uh, how long ago was that exactly from from the state? I think I found it roughly end of June 2014. So what's taking so long? Well, because uh, it's because it's it is currently July 2016. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> we, we we've got some pictures it, that would explain what took so long. Well, for starters, uh, we're uh, sitting in uh, the front of the building, which is actually the grocery store that was built on to the shotgun portion of the building. Uh, we, we suspect somewhere in the 30s, 
Uh, we've got receipts in the building from the 1940s. So you're, you think it was a shotgun house at first and then a grocery was added onto it in the front? That is exactly how it was done. Um, and to answer one of your questions how it took so long is the uh, shotgun portion back here, we had to jack the entire thing up off its foundation. Uh, we had the entire three sides of that building back there floating in the air with nothing underneath of it. And then as of Thanksgiving 2000, what's that? I guess it was 2014 still. Yeah. Uh, actually, me and my girlfriend and a guy with a concrete pump uh, poured the entire foundation oh underneath of that. Uh, again, like I said, we did everything in this building ourselves. But every aspect we've done ourselves and it takes time when you're working full-time job and there was a lot of issues with the building i mean this is like i said this building is is near this building is nearly a century old the one behind us is over a century old the shotgun is built roughly in 1893 um so while it's aged very well it hasn't been maintained very it hasn't well been maintained yeah so it took a little while so you know this, if you wanna, this is um... you want to pitch in tonight here and get a rag out <laughs> I'd be happy to help. This, this is kind of a tangent, but uh, I, you just reminded me that, uh, you know, you had to lift up the foundation of, of the building there for a little bit. Um, I just learned this you know, a couple weeks ago, really, that the, the city of Chicago, at one point, when they were first putting the sewer, su sewer systems in, they had to lift each building up about four inches to get the sewer system in to dig into the city. I think it was the first sewer system in America. Well, so the entire city was raised four that, inches. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> well, I'll circle you back on that one. The, this front building here, the entire floor that we're sitting on now, I actually lowered four inches Ooh. from its current standing. <laughs> um, in order for it to be uh, ADA accessible, it was approximately four inches high. So we have a cellar wall run right down through the middle. I floated everything up on the sides and then took a hydraulic jack and one by one lowered every single joist in this front building four inches to get it to ADA accessibility. So, oh my goodness. Nice tangent and wraparound there. Yeah, yeah. I like, was, like what we did. That's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so has there been any problems with, uh, with, zoning, with zoning issues in general though? Um, hmm. Because, we're, you know, we're, 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 in, we're in old Louisville, which is, to my mind, it's, it's a residential place. Well, good question. If when people visit the the uh, space, they'll see a an alley about two buildings down from us. That actually starts the TNZD zone, which has all the interesting uh, requirements. I'm just outside of that, so I have none of the historical zoning overlap to deal with. Good. What became the issue was getting the appropriate building permits for this building being a brewery and doing it all on my own. If there's one thing I'd go back and change about anything, it would have been, I would have probably enlisted the help of an architect. Not so much, and this is not egotistical at all, because they are great at what they do, but the city will sign off on something an architect submits <laughs> when Joe Blow off the street, and rightfully so, submits it, they're gonna waver on it. And so we were tied up three or four months with a fire code issue that really, like I said, delayed us three to four months right there. So, you know, one of the things that would have sped us up is enlisting some professionals to do what they do better. And all you can do now is sit back and learn, just like the whole process. You learn and you know next time. Exactly. So, Ken, question for you now. Um, I think it's pretty important for a brewery to have an identity of sorts about what they brew and, and what exactly is going on there. Does Old Louisville Brewery have an identity in the beers that it makes? Or are you making things that, you know, you rightly so might just enjoy yourself? Well. Like, what, what is the, the mission statement exactly, I guess? 
get open. <laughs> get open at this point. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think our mission statement is that we ultimately want this place to be a community space. We want this place, I mean, you know, throughout, throughout the history of whether we're talking about our country or the world, uh, you know, essentially fermented beverages has been what have, has brought people together and, and, and shared ideas and, and developed solutions to problems. And so, I mean, ultimately, that's what we want this place to be. We want people to come in here and, and be able to sit down after a hard day and, and, and have a good, uh, a good beer and, and just be able to think through things and, and sometimes think about nothing at all. And so while we'll make certainly some, I mean, Wade and I like so many different kinds of beer, it's going to be really hard for us to make a beer we don't like. <clears throat> yeah. uh, but we can't always just make the beer we like because we, we serve a broader public with, with wider tastes than we have. And so we're going to kind of, you know, I mean, this is an easy thing to say, but, you know, we're going to kind of, we're going to have some, some really uh, maybe mainstream type craft beers, whereas we're also going to have some of those mainstream type, type of craft beers that we do a little bit, bit of experiment, experimentation with and, sure. and, and, and do some one-offs and, and, you know, and sometimes, uh, that works out well and sometimes it's like yeah well maybe that's not one we'll ever do again so so ultimately i think our mission is first and foremost to serve the community of old louisville and, and so we're certainly going to pay attention to their tastes uh, their their desires what they want to see uh, while at the same time we want to you know we want to push the brewing envelope and we want to push the uh, uh, people's flavor envelopes as well I love the, uh, there's a lot that you just mentioned there that I want to get back to. And, and one thing that you mentioned, though, is that, you know, maybe maybe what you like isn't that much different from what anybody else likes, or maybe it is different. So uh, before we started recording, um, uh, Ken and Wade uh, let me have four samples of, of their new beers that they had. And uh, I, I told them, and we kind of have like a, like a match game scenario going on right now, where I told them to go ahead and rank their, you know, one through four, their favorites, and then I tasted them and I did the same. So let's go ahead and break out our our secrets right now. <laughs> By the way, I love how this dog has been barking straight for about 16 <laughs> minutes right now. It, it has been going the entire time. You, you should work <laughs> here all day long. <laughs> well, we have an audience, guys. We have an audience back there. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right. So let's just do this one by one. Um, let's start out with uh, number number four. Well, actually, let's, let's do this. Um, just go ahead and say what four you have, Wade, that, that you that you sampled me, that you gave us a sample to All me. right, we, uh, we sampled, first we sampled, it's a pale ale, it's more of a summer kind of pale ale, it's a little bit lighter bodied. Um, pale ale, again, it's our, our first, one of our first runs on the system, so again, working out the kinks and things on it, uh, it's not exactly where we want it, so it's a little bit lighter bodied pale ale, that was the first one. Uh, the second one was the uh, brown ale. Uh, the third one was the uh, rye IPA, and the fourth one was the uh, I guess we call it the milk stout. Yeah, yeah the yeah. milk stout. Okay. So, uh, Wade, can you go ahead and share what you would rank uh, fourth in that list? All right, I put the uh, I put the pale ale fourth. Um, I mean, I like it. It's just it's it's a, it's a I feel like it's a little caramely. Um, you, you get some uh, you get some hops in, in, in the flavor, a little bit in the aroma. I would, I mean, this is just about my preference. I'd probably like to see it be a little more bitter. Uh, uh, all in all, I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a solid 
a solid opening for a pale ale. But uh, when compared against the, the, the other three, it just kind of comes in at number four. Okay. Wade? Uh, for me, number four was the brown ale. Um, <clears throat> personally, don't drink a high, high level of brown ales. Um, I mean, again, I have them. I drink everything and love most everything. Uh, for me, it was, it's a tough one to pinpoint because a lot of people do a lot of variations on the brown ale. So you'll get a really roasty one from some place, a really light-bodied one from others. So I, I can't place this one in my mind, so it's really kind of just throwing me for a loop. So that's why I put it forth is I can't pinpoint it on the list as well as I can the others. I'm going to agree with Wade here. It was, it was the brown ale on, on the fourth. There was... Uh, not not that there was anything necessarily wrong with it, just compared to the other, the other uh, three, I just you know there there were some other ones that stuck out a little bit more. Well, you, you got four beers. One of them's got to come in fourth place, e- right? Exactly. All right. So uh, it's coming in at number three, Ken. Uh, number three, I, I went with the brown. Um, uh, for me, um, I guess I kind of ranked it a little bit ahead of of the pale. Uh, I, I get a little of the the chocolate malt in it. Um, uh, again, I'd like to see it carved up just a little bit more. Uh, I think I think you, you get a little more, a little bit more out of it that way, a little bit more uh, uh, effervescence. Uh, but 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 overall, I mean, kind of kind of neck and neck with the pale. Wait, I would say uh, conversely, I'd go the the pale on this one. Um, it's interesting on the pale because it. Again, you, you have to kind of have some idea of where I come from here. I, I'm in the space every night working, so every night I am trying the beers, just yeah. you know, quality, you know, testing Qual- quality assurance, quality assurance. But in doing so, we're still working on our tap system, our, our cooling system, all these sorts of things. So I actually get all these beers at different rate, ranges of carbonation, different temperatures. And it's very interesting how these beers change based on the carb carb level, the temperature level, all these sorts of things. Uh, I've, in my mind, if I close my eyes, I could tell you I've had two different beers with a pale based on those uh, types of things. Uh, again, this pale is not true to his, uh, <laughs> you know, the normal pale ale that he's uh, always brewed. Uh, it's it's different from it. Again, a lot of that is working on the new system, uh, but it is. To me, a little bit lighter-bodied uh, pale ale uh, that we can build off of and grow off of. I'm I'm gonna have to go with you again, Wade. I got the uh, the pale ale there. Um, so now it's pretty much a 50/50 shot. You guys been sharing notes? Is that what <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's I exactly mean, what's going on. I thought um, this was a secret ballot. <laughs> All right, so it, obviously you'd be revealing number one as well if, as you reveal number right. two. So just go ahead and give me your your top two in that order. All right, uh, number two for me was the stout. And, and number one was the rye, um, and kind of like the three and four were kind of you know neck and neck. I mean, with this one, one and two are, are pretty neck and neck. Um, I mean, what what I like about the stout is is you get uh, some roastiness. There's just a hint of coffee in there, but still there's a little bit of sweetness as well. Um, but but for me the rye, I mean it's 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 just got the uh, kind of the piney hops to it. It's got that rye spice that comes through. Uh, this was uh, this was a beer. The, the rye IPA was a beer that uh, when uh, when uh, Sierra Nevada's Ruthless Rye came out and, and Wade really liked that. He's like, man, you know you need to try rye. And, 
And so it, it's kind of a, I don't know if it's an inside joke, an outside joke, or, 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 or whatever, but we essentially call the rye, we call it Wade. That, that, that's its name. It's, it's, you know, have you tried the Wade? Uh, because he was really the impetus behind, uh, let, let's, let's try to make this beer. And it's not that it's a clone of anything else. It was just inspired by, that was probably, I mean, I would think Ruthless was probably the first really rye forward beer we ever had. Yeah. And, you know, everything I'd ever read about rise is well you know your your, your, ma- your, your sparge is going to get stuck <clears throat> and it's just going to be a mess and uh i've i've had some dicey situations uh, uh with it at certain times but it's never really been as troublesome i feel like and, and maybe it's 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 a reflection of how much rye we use or, or that we use flake rye uh, but we use a pretty significant uh, share of the grain bill with rye. I mean, and, and it's it's just, it's really worked out. There's never been a time that I've made this beer that I was just like, yeah, no, nah, I, I, don't, I don't really care for it. Uh, the, the, the hops and, and the rye spice, just it's, it's just really a, a, a great beer from my perspective. Yeah. Wade? Well, uh, I got to fall in line with that. I, I kind of ranked them 1A, 1B, because to me it was hard to make that decision. Uh, but to make the decision, I'd base it off of the quantity that I drink of each. Because <laughs> uh, it's quality assurance yeah, that you're yeah. doing well, every I mean, yeah. you have to do that. Yeah, Come you on. have to. Um, but as a result, uh, yes, I put the rye at one with the uh, milk style, like I said, at the 1B. Uh, I'll, I'll pretty much follow up with what he said um, that, to me, the rye, the rye is, it just, it, it has a body to it in the middle that it's not all pop it's not all rye you know there there's some flavors in there that adjust on your palate that i like so it and it's to me dangerously drinkable um as as my brother will find out with the keg count down below (laughs) um but with the uh, stout i really like the stout as well i'm a big stout and ipa drinker um so those kind of went hand in hand and with the stout when it was on the fermenter i actually uh my brother's out of town for a week i told him when i taste this i was like i think that you know the stout's gonna be stout's gonna be all right now with that being said it's a milk stout and it's one where we're not sure again if we hit what we want it to with with the, the lactose right. in there right. and you know again that's the fun of it we're developing it we're, we're figuring it out we're understanding it but that beer at certain times again at certain temperatures is any you know any person Who's, if you're not new to beer, you know, allows stout to warm up a little bit, and so much more flavor comes out of it. And also pouring them, I love pouring them just because the the nice uh, uh, creamy rich head uh, on them is, is a beautiful thing to see. But to go back to what he said with the you know the rye again, <clears throat> we took it off the ruthless. We did something different with it, and that's the funny thing is that I I think the development of the the rye really kind of started, you know, the bond between me and my brother as you know, beer drink. I mean, he'd been doing it since 93, brewing himself at home since 93, but that really just kind of forged the ultimate bond between us in terms of, of beer love, uh, uh, collaboration, uh, interest, and, you know, the way to kind of, you know, pay homage to it is to go back to, you know, this is Wade's rye. Uh, this is something I did for him. It's not the Ruthless rye. We weren't trying to shoot for that. It's a different beer, but it's a beer that he said, hey, he likes this. I'm going to do my, my version of it. And ever, ever since he's done it, I, I absolutely love the beer. So, It seems like we're all in agreement on this. I, and, and honestly, though, it, it, like you said, it was, it was hard. It was right there, one and two, A and B. Um, and honestly, if, if you caught me in the wintertime, I may have put the milks out first. 
just depends on the season, I guess. Yeah. But the rye IPA was perfect. It was it was so nice. I got it twice. Yep. Um, it was great. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. Once you do all open, oh, that was good. I, I really like doing this. I'm, I got to do this more often. <laughs> yeah. This this match and just just so you prove I'm not lying. <laughs> no, it, I got I got A B and then there was kind of a C. There's C yeah, tied right, between right. them. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that Wade Wade mentioned there, you know, kind of about you know trying to you know dial our system in, but 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 also, and, and I don't want to be uh, flippant when I use these words because I kind of said this uh, a couple years ago that. I kind of envision us, to some extent, also being a little bit of an artisanal uh, brewery in which, you know, there should be a little bit of difference between batch to batch. Mm-hmm. That it's not, you know, you, you've, you've got this recipe and it's totally cloned and that essentially you could hand it over and anybody could brew it and you're going to get the same product. Uh, I mean, I love going into uh, breweries that I frequent and seeing different stuff and knowing that, I mean, there's, there's, it's always good to, to go somewhere and know that if I get this IPA, it's going to be like this the whole time. But there's also something to be said for breweries that, that challenge themselves and take some risks and, and do some different things because that's what brings me back. Because I, I want to, I mean, whenever I go somewhere and I travel, you know, I want to know where the breweries. I want to know who does some different stuff, just because. I mean, you want to know how far can you push the envelope. Right. Um, yeah. On, on that same token, I was out of town this past weekend in, in Florida, and I was introduced to this brewery down there called J Dubs. And um, like you said, they were pushing the envelope with this one beer. And basically, the I guess I guess he was a rep for them. He essentially said something along the lines of, and, and, you know, once he said it, I. 100% agreed. It was a, for all intents and purposes, a, a hard yoo-hoo. <laughs> it, was a, it was a chocolate uh, milk porter. It was delicious. Uh-huh. It was so good. And once he said yoo-hoo, I was like, I, I got it. Oh. That consistency, that flavor, it's, it's there. So I, I get exactly what you're saying here. So, you know, you're, you're in Old Louisville here. And when I think of Old Louisville during the summertime, I think uh, Shakespeare in the Park and then uh, maybe in, in the fall, St. James. Uh, so you have different events going on that you get a large crowd of surrounding areas to come into this part of Louisville in, in Old Louisville. How exactly do you plan on maybe, you know, involving yourselves in on, on those events and in other Old Louisville type communities? Well, <clears throat> the wonderful thing about Old Louisville is the residents are so extremely passionate about the community. So they reach out to you with open arms wanting you to be involved with the community wanting you to help uh, push the community and that's you know, one of the big things we're wanting to do as time develops we're going to start branding a lot of our image based off of the old louisville neighborhood as a whole we kind of want to go hand in hand with the old louisville tourism in terms of when people are coming here to have beers the beers become an experience within old louisville because they can walk out the door hopefully only after a couple, walk down the street and, and tour the area and, and see, oh, this is this, this is the St. James Stout. Well, this is St. James Court. Or, you know, this is the magnet, you know, just these different experiences within it. The Central Park Port, you know, just whatever it may be. Yeah. It's, it's an expansion of the neighborhood, but utilizing our brewery to kind of help work hand in hand with those. In regards to the events and things, uh, 
we're hoping to, with time, with like Shakespeare, we'd like to start working. Maybe we do with doing some English style beers and things, you know, tying in with them for that. With the St. James Art Show, we're hoping to do uh, an after show event here, uh, kind of a, a festival of sorts uh, in our bike space as as development allows, I should say, where we have some music and things like that. So we really want to work hand in hand uh, with the community because thus far they've been nothing uh, but supportive. Uh, and it just, it makes, I mean, what, what do you like doing when, when events are posted in Louisville, you want to go see them. And we want to start drawing more people down to old Louisville because of, of just the atmosphere, as you talked about, you know, summer in old Louisville, strolling the streets, checking it out. So, you know, we just want to be a part of it and, uh, like I said, kind of be an extension of it. What's a, um, what's a local Louisville brewery that inspires you to both of you? Gosh, I mean, I, I would have to say uh, a couple right off the top of my head. Uh, Against the Grain really inspires me because uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think if it was four or five years ago was the first time I was ever at their brewery. And, and they kind of, you know, they don't really have like, oh, well, he- here's our IPA, here's this, you know. They just, like, they have these categories, you know, whim, smoke, yeah. and... And I just realized that they just kind of make, you know, beer on the edge and beer they like. And, and I'm like, you know, I really like that. And so they kind of um, I sort of aspire sometimes to push the envelope like they, they do. And then and the second would be, <clears throat> while, this, while the inspiration is not, in the, not necessarily in their current iteration, uh, Monic, uh, uh, one of the owners of Monic opened up. Uh, Danville Beer Engine, Brian Holton, uh, Brian Holton, uh, se- several years ago, and, and that's just a short drive from where I live, and and it was just walking into that space, and he kept a lot of the character of the building, kind of like what, what we've tried to do here. Uh, he had a small system, he, you know, he made it work, and 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 I'm just, you know, that was that was probably the first time where I began to think. You know, so you so you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars. You don't have to have a ten barrel system. Uh, you, you you have to have a passion for beer, and, and 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 a place that you can put your stamp on. And and so uh, that's where Brian has really uh, inspired me from the work that he's done. And and, and two, we've been over several times to this place at Monic, where you can kind of see those same themes throughout his space and I mean he really made it seem attainable for me absolutely Wade this is going to be a tough one because unlike Ken I'm a permanent resident uh, in Louisville so they all in their own way resonate with me uh, but I know that's uh, an easy way out to say they're (laughs) all great so I'm going to I'm going to hone in on number one I'm going to hone in on third turn uh, third turn brewery out in J Town. The reason Some, why somewhat, somewhat new to the to the scene too. It's yeah. it's new to the scene, and the reason why they appeal to me is because they basically are me. They've got a guy who he's kind of one the same. He he helped he basically built the space, and he is the brewer. Um, but I watched them take a space much like ours and just reimagine it. Did a phenomenal job. They're working on a same size system. We've worked hand in hand uh, on things. They've been very giving with their knowledge, um, and I kind of feel like 
we're going to hopefully start catching up with them and grow together. Uh, we've already just briefly mentioned the, the possibility of a collaboration in the future, which I really feel like needs to happen with Louisville breweries more often to promote our overall uh, uh, product to the market and to, to kind of broaden uh, our reach within each other's individual communities. Um, so again, start with third turn on that one. Uh, the second one I'd have to say is uh, Great Flood. The reason why is that was a three young guys who hadn't homebrewed that long who said, screw it, guys, we're going to do this. And they did it. Yeah. I mean, they did it before what's now three or four other ones of us did it, and they were much younger. And they're in year two, and they're already expanding. Uh, I mean, I just have a, a – tremendous amount of respect for what they've accomplished uh the amount of questions they've answered for us i remember going in there the week before i think they opened or maybe two weeks before they opened and they were brewing their first beers mm -hmm. and you know it was hectic they're brewing beers it's hot they're worn out and they <laughs> sat there and answered questions for us they didn't have to invite us over they didn't have to let us come uh but they did they welcomed us with open arms have still reached out and given us any help and assistance that we wanted and i've watched them grow uh, from their, their first line of beers like we're talking about here now to a very broad, diverse base of beers. And, you know, like I said, it, it's really cool to see. Uh, and within that, I mean, like I said, I can see pieces of us in every brewery, and I think that's what makes breweries a community is there's something that you've done that you can easily look to that other group and relate to, that story that you can tell, that experience that you've gone through. And I feel like that's a lot of what people – love about breweries is that experience uh that 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 amount you know that community atmosphere and just you know seeing people making their own product and bringing it to the marketplace literally right in front of you good answers guys i, I mean you just mentioned four great little breweries <laughs> i mean that, that that that's really great um so it's been it's been a kind of a a, a bit to wait for about last over two years since I guess since yeah, you got keep, the idea. Keep rubbing it in. Yeah, <laughs> keep rubbing in. I, I before before we start recording, you disclose that you ha at least have a soft opening. It is July twelfth right now, twenty sixteen. When do you expect to have a soft opening? Uh, you have a coin in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Flip it. <laughs> um, I've said this twice today to uh, coworkers of mine uh, at my quote-unquote real job <laughs> your, your day job. Uh, I get that yeah <laughs> uh, and I've said to them I was like you know at some point I've just got to rip off the band-aid um, I would say at this point in time I would say Friday and Saturday so we're, we're recording this on on Tuesday July 12th and you're saying in, in three days four days you want to have a soft opening why not why not I hey the the rye IPA is absolutely ready. <laughs> I mean that, that's what we want to hear. Yeah. Well, it's, and I mean like I said that's and, a and thing. And the stout's <laughs> delicious, and the other two are ready as well. I mean it's just they're they're good. I'm, I'm we, impressed. It's any business owner, any entrepreneur has gone through this sort of thing. Uh, I mean I've had two individual businesses of my own and one retail, so I'm familiar with this feeling but I've never been as passionate about this feeling as I have with this venture being the time put into it prior to opening, uh, the involvement with my brother, um, and just like, again, going back to the, the community being the community around us and the community of, of, of the breweries. Um, 
it's exciting, it's stressful, it's 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 overwhelming, but at the same time, you, you overthink things if you just sit and think about it. You'll talk yourself out of stuff and you'll you worry about it. You can talk yourself out of anything. Exactly. So, I mean, I would say at this point in time, uh, we're, we will begin putting out uh, notices to people in regards to the soft opening. Uh, our intentions are to reach out to our a wonderful community here within Old Louisville as, again, they've been so welcoming, uh, they've been so enthusiastic, and we're going to invite them over uh, first uh, to tour the space, view the space, try some beers, and then after that we're going to reach out to our broader audience of both volunteers who have helped us, uh, friends who have involved us via media like yourself, even though you've gotten a few tastes already. Um, <laughs> I appreciate And then that. again, like I said, we just you know invite people in and, and talk to them, get to know them, and you know work out the kinks. So I, I really feel like you know this weekend is going to be a good time. It is going to be a little bit of an overwhelming weekend with the forecastle. So again, we won't be seeing that rush and slam, and we don't want that. We just want enough where. We can say, "Oh yeah, that's something we need to work on," and go from there. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, just rip off the bandaid. Say we're gonna, we're gonna do it this weekend. Fantastic, the brothers Mattingly. Thank you very much for coming on today and inviting me into your space and letting me try your free beer. I well, appreciate it. it. It's been our pleasure. Well, except for the free part. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what. When you open, I'll be buying a Rye IPA. All right. Take Here care, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Now, before we, we begin our next interview, I, I wanted to let you you dog owners out there to know of another box of awesome that you can have, but, but maybe this time for your pet. Uh, BarkBox is, is another monthly subscription service that will make your dog incredibly happy. Now, you see, every, every month, BarkBox paw picks the best all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, you know, in, including allergies and, and maybe heavy chewer preferences. Um, all edibles are made in the USA or, or Canada, and 100% of their products are, are tested on their own animals. BarkBox is a, is a great way to, to try a variety of treats and tro- toys from, from local and small businesses that you may not otherwise be able to find. And, and each monthly box is themed, so maybe you have the Country Fair, the, the Bark Ball, or maybe the, the Brooklyn Hipster, you know, m- many more like that. Uh, you get new and unique toys to continue to keep the dogs engaged, interested, and happy, most importantly. Now, now Scout, Scout's Honor, if your dog doesn't like something in the box, they'll send you something else that they'll love for free because they're all about the dog's happiness. Free shipping on any bark box, and you know, when your dog falls in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com. You can pay per month, per six months, or maybe 12 months if you like it that much. You can cancel any time, however. And folks, if you visit GetBarkBox.com slash Building Breweries, I'd be happy to give you and your dog one extra month of free treats and toys. All right, now I'd like to welcome a internet blogger, an internet podcaster, and author to the Catholic Drinkies Guide to Homebrewed Evangelism, Sarah Fabulous, a.k.a. the Catholic Drinky. What's going on, Sarah? Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate this, and um, quick quick note, this is a, uh, I, I, I consider myself an amateur to this whole podcasting thing. Join the club. And, um, Oh, okay. Well, this is the first time I've used Skype, though, so oh. this, I'm really curious about the, uh, the the quality of this this call because usually, you know, calls in the past have been kind of grainy before. So I'm I'm kind of excited to experiment with this a little bit. Well, pro tips: Skype, I think, gives the best clarity. Good. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. I guess here after we get off the phone. Um, so I guess just for those that might not know too much about you, just in a, in a brief synopsis, because 
you know, they can, if they want to know more, they can read your book or read your blog. Um, just quickly, just tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Well, I am born and raised in the Atlanta area. I went to school at St. Mary's College at the University of Notre Dame, which is the women's college there. I studied communications and theology, and so uh, I graduated and uh, worked in Congress for three years. Hooray! Um, And then from there, I moved into the social media PR world, and uh, now I run a team of social media consultants uh, for a startup here in Atlanta, but in my free time, I do things like try different kinds of alcohol, brew my own beer, and preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Excellent. Now, I am kind of curious, though, about the, the gig on the Hill in D.C., um, working for the, the congressman over there. At what point did you kind of realize that, you know, maybe maybe this gig isn't for me and I'd like to uh, I'd like to try the, the, the digital marketing world? Well, I wasn't going to get promoted or go anywhere. So when you hit it in the road, you're there for three years. And uh, I also dreamt of running for public office. And I knew at the time <laughs> in particular, this was about 2009 ish. I think that sounds about right. Uh no one wanted to elect officials that had been working in Congress for a long period of time, so I wanted to get out and uh, establish my reputation in the the private sector, if you will, and now I've lost the desire to run for public office. <laughs> That's fair. Before you wrote the book, which I m- mentioned earlier, you were a blogger of sorts called The Catholic Drinky. Um, at the time, what was The Catholic Drinky's you know, primary objective and, and mission? To have fun and show people that you can be Catholic and have a great time. Well what, well, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, you know, a lot of people consider uh, anybody who's religious, whether you're Christian or um, any sort of, of devotional religion, uh, to be sort of stuffy, right? Maybe you have to live by this really high moral code, and you might not be normal, and people can't necessarily relate to you. Um, so really, my goal was to just tell people that, hey, I'm a Catholic Christian, and I'm just like you, and I can like things like beer and spending time at the bar, and use that as an opportunity to meet people, and meet people where they're at, and perhaps talk to them about why I'm passionate about my faith, and, and introduce them to that through something like beer, because I love to go to the bar and, and order a drink. Uh, a lot of times I will just go after work. Uh, I'm hungry, want a drink, want dinner. And I usually find myself sitting next to other people who are there by themselves. And you can really break the ice by asking them what kind of beer they're drinking. Or if they don't know what they want, ask them what they kind of like to drink typically and help them pick something that's on the wall. And it's a great icebreaker. And next thing you know, they start asking you, how do you know so much about beer? Well, I'm a beer (laughs) blogger. Oh, really? What's the name of your blog? Catholic Drinky. Wait, what? It's what? You're Catholic? This is so cool. And then I talk them through uh, why being a Catholic and loving beer in particular is just so natural. And you can thank our beer brewing monks for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's a whole story on that that I've gone over before, but it, it is kind of fascinating that, you know, I, I, I would argue that without the, the Catholic Church to some extent, we wouldn't, the, the beverage industry would not have evolved as it as it would have uh, at this point. Uh, totally agree. Even in the wine sector, I mean, we can thank St. Martin of Tours for taking wine all over Europe and introducing people how to grow grapes so that they could make a life for themselves. Now, now, are you just saying that because I'm, I'm from Louisville and we have a church here called St. Martin of Tours? Absolutely not. It's a chapter in my book. Oh, okay. Well, it's also, just by coincidence, it's a, uh, a church here, a parish here in, in Louisville, awesome. Kentucky. Awesome. Well, you say it correctly. So I've had many conversations with friends about the proper way to say Louisville. Yeah, you just kind of mumble Yeah, you it. just got to mumble. I'm from, I'm from Atlanta. It is not Atlanta. It's Atlanta. 
Yeah. There's no cool. T's, yeah. <laughs> so I get it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, speak, speaking of, you know, different saints and everything, what, what exactly, you know, there, there are a few different saints that, uh, that attribute themselves, or rather we attribute to having, you know, some kind of beer relations, some kind of patronage towards. What is your favorite uh, beer saint myth legend? Uh, my favorite has to do with St. Arnold of Metz, whose feast day, by the way, is coming up on July 18th. And so he, he was a bishop. And after his death, they actually carried him uh, ac- across the country. So, so crazy, so crazy. So they carried his body across the country because he wanted to be buried uh, at the top of uh, a big mountain where there's a monastery. And so he, he carried, they carried his body across France and stopped at all these cities along the way. Well, after they buried him, they all had to trek back home, right? And so they stopped at a pub on the way home. And they get there, and oh goodness, there's only two pints left. So they say a prayer to St. Arnold, and the keg never ran dry for the duration of all the drinks that these, these folks wanted to have. Yeah, that's that's right. It never emptied. I guess it was uh, mid, mid or maybe late 600s or so that that happened. Yeah, I was actually, that, that's the one that I wrote down uh, myself. Uh, I think that might also be one of the more more well-known ones. Yeah, but that that's my favorite. I, you know, it just reminds me so much of... Uh, Jesus and the the wedding at Cana Miracle, right? And just similar concepts. So it just makes my heart happy. For sure. So so you're blogging a little bit. At what point did you decide to write a book? Uh, well, I never really decided so much as uh, Ligori Publications, which is outside St. Louis, Missouri, uh, shot me an email and said, hey, would you like to write a book for us? And I said, oh, really? Um, we went through <laughs> some negotiations. And next thing I know, I uh, had signed myself up to write a book in s- under six months. Um, so that oh, was uh, that was crazy times. Uh, it was really more like five-month turnaround, uh, but uh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed writing it. Um, and truth be told, it was not nearly as hard as I expected it to be. Really? So any, anybody can just write a book? Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah, not? it might not be a good book, but you could write yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, um, I have to... Uh, I have to admit that I am a writer. Um, I, I've been studying writing. You know, I wrote my first, quote, mini book when I was in, like, sixth grade. So it's always been a passion of mine to write. So I think that's why it was so simple for me. I, I worked in newspapers and uh, can crank out text fairly easily from my background in newspapers. Exactly. And I have actually read your book. Uh, thanks, Mom. She got oh, it. Yeah. Um, awesome <laughs> sweet. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, I, I agree. It's very well written. I, I didn't mean to take you take anything away oh, from that. Um, now it does also include some different homebrewing recipes. Did anybody help you help out with that at all? My priest, actually. So uh, one of my very best friends, uh, he's a priest in Cincinnati, and so Father, uh, he's on the north side up in. Um, you know, a late, oh, I wish you hadn't just asked me because I'm totally <laughs> now um, because you asked me. I should know this. And Father Kyle's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, why don't you know where I live? But, <laughs> but uh, He's up on the north side of Cincinnati. OK. Uh, the, the only ones that come to mind are St. Savannah and St. or uh, and something in uh, Madeira. But, oh, he's at yeah. our um, Our Lady. Uh, no, excuse me. It's Corpus Christi and St. John Newman. Okay. So up in the uh, Forest Park area there, I knew I would find it. Forest Park. Yeah. Um, and so Father Kyle uh, and I became friends through Twitter and my love of beer. Fun fact, he thought I was a boy back when my Twitter account did not have my name associated <laughs> with it. And I was just Catholic drinky and posted no pictures. 
Um, and so this was before Twitter even had pictures. And so we became friends and uh, he started to homebrew and I started to ask a lot of questions and people, all of my friends had always been asking me, you know, you have had thousands of beers. Why don't you ever brew your own? Cause I was always whining and complaining that I could never find anything I actually wanted to drink. So right. I finally just bit the bullet and, and started to brew and became a better brewer than him. Sorry, father. Um, but, but he did help me, uh, tweak a few of the recipes when I was on deadline. So couldn't have finished the book on time without him. I, I, I like I liked all the recipes. I, I've actually tried out one. It was the uh, the Saint. Oh God! Uh, now that I'm on the spot, it was the uh, Saint Bridget. Uh, oh yeah, the, the oh, Irish, like gold, gold, blonde. Yeah, Irish blonde. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's been bottled, and I'm just waiting a couple more weeks to, to try it. It'll, it'll be it'll be. I'll, I'll be sure to let you know how it goes. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites in the book. Uh, I think it's just a really nice recipe. Good, but yeah, th- it's great because they're all you know they're. Think unless I'm wrong, they're all gallon batches, so they're fairly easy and they're they're good to experiment with in case you haven't tried that saw before. That way, you're not wasting a lot of a lot of ingredients and product and money and time. Oh, definitely. And I live in a uh, 1,200 square foot apartment, so I don't have a ton of room for uh, five gallon or even you know three or four gallons. I know some people are doing lately, and uh, it's just too heavy for me. So I like I like my one gallon batches. Uh, gives me about nine bottles, and that's just enough for me to keep a couple and share the rest. <laughs> so, so maybe it was maybe it was the the location, maybe it was a conversation, or maybe it just depended on who you were with that night. But do you have a certain memorable, you know, beer drinking session in your life? Every time I have a beer, so I have this really weird tack, uh, like talent, if you will, that you can ask me um, where I was, who I was with, and what beer I had, and I can tell you. That's, uh, that is a good... It's ridiculous. Talent. Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, I would say, honestly, that one of my favorite times in a pub with friends had to be back in 2012. Uh, it was November of 2012, and I went to Baltimore because I was invited to spend time with the, the bishop, the Catholic bishops, at their annual conference that they have in Baltimore. And so I got to, to share with them social media tips and tricks and and how they could start using it better um, to reach out to people within the church, whether it's something like church news or uh, just uh, evangelization. So uh, all sorts of factors there. And so one, well, after we finished up and talked with the bishops, I rounded up uh, two priests, a seminarian, and a local friend, and just another friend, and we went to the pub. And we just had the greatest time laughing, talking about, uh, things happening within the church, just our lives. Um, and I remember at one point uh, getting up and yelling, uh, I, this is my party and we're not going to talk about theology of the body or it's just something <laughs> like that, which is a Catholic teaching about yeah, all sorts yeah. of good stuff. And, and so just that, just, that was just one of my favorite times. Just so many people that I love across the country together in one spot uh, all because we wanted to spend time, you know, having good drink. Of course, I chose the bar, and then I chose everyone's drinks at the bar as well. <laughs> yeah, that see, that wasn't so hard. And I'll give I'll give you an even uh, easier question this time. Uh, what was the last beer that you had? I had I split a beer on Saturday night with one of my best friends, and we had a New Belgium watermelon beer that they just released. Oh yeah, yeah, that that is that is good. Uh, do you have anything in your fridge? I have I have a bunch of things in my fridge. I think I probably have about 12 different beers in there. A uh, couple of sours. I've got the uh, beer from the Monks of Norcia, uh, the blonde, hanging out in there oh. for me to break open. And I have probably like four or five homebrews. 
Okay, excellent. What was, uh, you know, to your knowledge, maybe maybe just in, a, in your experience, the best brewery visit that you've had so far? You know, this is like, please don't hate me, but I loved. I, won't, I, I won't. loved visiting Sam Adams. I think they had an amazing experience there. The way I don't hit you at all. It, yeah, are, are you talking about the one in, 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 I guess, in Massachusetts or Ohio? The one in Massachusetts. So okay. the one where they don't actually brew beer. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just basically their their version <laughs> of a museum, right? So they they brew some test batches there and they do their barrel program. So I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but um, they, you can uh, like taste the hops, you can smell them, you can taste the grain. It's and uh, you know if you're old enough, you can then taste all the beer, and it's all free, and it's amazing. And then after that, they allow you to take a shuttle for free to their bar that they they partner with just down the way, and you can eat clam chowder and get a big uh, Sam Adams glass to take home. But the shuttle that you ride to and from the bar is amazing. The driver is absolutely a hundred percent everything you would think a guy from Massachusetts is. <laughs> and no matter what time of day he puts on like disco lights in the van, it's amazing. That sounds great. And I'm not going to, I'm not about to hate on Sam Adams. <laughs> um, you see, I'm, I'm not a snob. Uh, I know, I know it's, I know it's cool to hate on Sam Adams right now in the, in the craft beer community, but I've never really been that cool anyway. So I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with Sam Adams. They make uh, you, you always know what you're gonna get, and they make a plethora of of different options for everybody. Yeah, so. yeah, it's very consistent. No, no hate. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I had the opportunity to to grab a bottle of the Utopias a couple years ago, and Ooh, that was that was worth every dollar. Yeah, that that is good. I've I've tasted it once, and I mean, just tasted, and that's all. Um, so hey, when when your when your blog first took off, and you realized, okay, maybe this is it's kind of starting to you know gain some traction now. Did you try to, you know, reconcile that with your day job at all, or did you kind of just keep it secret and didn't tell anybody about it? Was, was there anything, you know, um, was there anything awkward about that situation at all? No, I'm I'm super lucky in that um, I have worked for employers that are, are really flexible because I've been working in social media um, for about nine years now. It's just made it a lot easier for me to be able to uh, just be cool about stuff um, and everyone just wants to be friends with you on Facebook and follow you on Twitter. So they, they figure me out on day one. Uh, and, and not, no, I don't bother hiding it. I mean, it's just, I, I'm proud of, of who I am, what I do and, and that I try to, you know, do everything in moderation. So not, never been an issue. And I figure if an employer has an issue with either the beer or the faith based part, then I don't want to work there anyway. Good, good answer. Um, what what's next for you, sir? Is there, is there any other like books on the horizon? Do you have a do you have a maybe a three year plan or anything like that? Or you're just kind of going with the with the ebb and flow. Right, uh, now? right now, just going with the ebb and flow. But um, I definitely have started to think about writing another book. Uh, this one will probably not be about beer. Um, just go more faith based. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what's next. Although I have uh, had dreams of writing a book uh, about liquor for some reason. I'm like, I don't know what I would do with it, but that just seems like a natural follow-up. Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sequel. Just go with something else. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't want to become known as just the alcohol book writer, so I, I want to eventually uh, you know, expand my horizons. I, I get that completely. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. It's been a uh, pleasure getting to know you both and through your book and, and through your Twitter and, and right now in this conversation. It's, it's been great for me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Best of luck with everything, and I'll be sure to uh, let everybody know about your awesome podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Take care. Bye.
Thank you.